Vanetics with Gabriel of Urantia and Neon Emerson Chase, an ongoing series of lectures and teachings on spiritual leadership, personal change, and the principles of divine administration. Part of the curriculum of the University of Ascension Science and the Physics of Rebellion. More information can be found at UASPR.org. This episode is titled, The Resurrection, Fable or Fact? If true, how should this affect your life? Here is Gabriel of Urantia. There are 224 listings of the word resurrection in the Urantia book. There are 41 listings in the New Testament. From paper 195 of the Urantia book, right after Pentecost, it says, Christianity suffers a handicap because it is identified with Western civilization, a society burdened with science, without idealism, Politics without principles, wealth without work, pleasure without restraint, knowledge without character, power without conscience, and industry without morality. Society without a morality based on spiritual reality A society without that kind of spiritual morality simply cannot survive. History has shown that. The resurrection needs to be believed and understood by all nations, by all humanity, not just by Western civilization. Jesus did not die for the sins of all humanity. But he resurrected to show that we too resurrect and go on living forever when we transcend this world. His resurrection proved that there is eternal life. From paper 188 of the Urantia book, it says, Jesus' enemies remembered reports that Jesus would rise from the dead on the third day. The chief priests requested that a Roman guard be stationed in front of the tomb so that Jesus' followers couldn't steal his body and then pretend he had risen. Then ten Roman soldiers joined ten Jewish guards, twenty in all, to watch over that burial site. They placed a huge second stone in front of the first one and attached Pilate's seal to it to make certain that nothing would be disturbed. These men stayed on guard in front of the tomb continuously throughout the hour of what is known to be and was the resurrection. Yet, He resurrected. From paper 190 of the Rancho book, it says, Reports began to reach the Jewish rulers that Jesus had risen. The Sanhedrin called a meeting and decided that anyone who mentioned the resurrection would be banned from the synagogues. 
it was further suggested that the penalty, if they mentioned, even mentioned the resurrection, would be death. But this didn't come to a vote because the meeting broke up in a panic. The Sanhedrin were about to discover that their problems with Jesus was only beginning. Jesus left on this planet when he ascended back to his capital headquarters called Salvington, his spirit of truth. He didn't leave it for just the apostles or his disciples or just the Jews. He left the spirit of truth for all humanity to receive that spirit of truth and then to activate it daily. The spirit of truth purifies the human heart and leads us to commit to the will of God and then the welfare of all humanity. The true church is invisible, spiritual, and characterized by unity rather than uniformity. You know, many of you were with me here 17 years ago. You know, I used to wear a, a turban almost every day, headband. As a matter of fact, if I didn't, I felt I didn't have my clothes on. No, I got it on today because, well, you know, I'm an Arab. I'm Hindu. I'm Jewish. I'm Chinese. I feel like I'm all of that and more. So I wanted to wear a little symbol of my radical unity. In a way, you know, I'm a radical, cosmic, spiritized soul. We can't just even think planetary anymore. We have to begin to think cosmic. We have to begin to understand Christ, not just as Neon said, Jesus of Nazareth, but Jesus of Salvington, Christ Michael. We do not have to talk alike or dress alike to be accepted into the family of God. That's why, again, I wore this today. It's we who are supposed to bless humanity. It's we who are supposed to support our brothers and sisters. Is it not written that we are to be our brothers and sisters' keeper? Is it not written to love thy neighbor as thyself. What does that mean? It all has to do with the resurrection because that's what the one that was resurrected taught. At his final appearance in the courtyard of Nicodemus' home with the apostles, the woman's corps, and 50 disciples, Jesus commented on the diversity of believers. This gathering represented and reminded them that the gospel was about the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of all mankind, all humankind. He reminded them of that. The resurrection is the belief thought that connects us to the perfect will of God. For all the races of the planet, it's that circuitry to paradise. Not just to Salvington, but all the way to paradise. When you think of the resurrection, 
you make a link of energy through Salvington right to the Universal Father, and he's looking right at you. Then he's looking at where you are in your ascension. Then he's looking at what you need to meet your destiny. You're not meeting your destiny. You're not thinking enough of the resurrection. Think about that for about 10 years and see where you are 10 years later. Don't think about it and watch what will not manifest in your life. Think about it and watch how more lovely you become and less envious and jealous and resentful. Don't think about it. Watch how more hateful you become, more unloving, and less like God. For the resurrection was the most perfect human being, son of man, son of God, that ever walked on this earth. Jesus magnificently demonstrated living faith in God. His faith was not merely intellectual. It was a profound conviction which securely held him in the living reality of God and destroyed every desire that conflicted with the will of the Father. Jesus was unquestionably loyal to God's will. Are you? When the Master had so spoken, he looked down unto the face of Thomas and said, And you, Thomas, who said you would not believe unless you could see me and put your finger in the narrow marks of my hands, have now believed and beheld me and heard my words. And though you see no narrow marks in my hands, since I am raised in the form that you also shall have when you depart from this world, the Marantian body, what will you say to your brethren? You will acknowledge the truth, for already in your heart you had begun to believe even when you so stoutly asserted your unbelief. Your doubts, Thomas, always most stubbornly assert themselves just as they are about to crumble. Thomas, I bid you be not faithless but believing. And I know you will believe, even with a whole heart. When Thomas heard these words, he fell on his knees before the Marantian master and exclaimed, I believe, my Lord and my master. Then Jesus said to Thomas, You have believed. You have believed, Thomas, because you have really seen and heard me after my death. But blessed are those in the ages to come who will believe even though they have not seen with the eye of flesh, nor heard with the mortal ear, for they too need to follow the will of God. <laughs> yeah, heavy stuff, huh? It's a little different in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, there's a little mistake there in the New Testament that says he touched the wounds of Christ, right? Because he had a new body, there was no wounds. But he knew it was him, unquestionably. 
The New Testament states in Romans 6, 5, For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So we can feel secure in an eternity, an afterlife, because Jesus came back from the dead in a new body. Again, the Urantia book states on page 2042, when he had said, my peace I leave with you, he vanished from their sight, with the exception of one of his appearances in Galilee, where upward of 500 believers saw him at one time. This group in Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania, embraced the largest number of mortals who saw him on any single occasion. Early the next morning, even while the apostles tarried in Jerusalem, awaiting the emotional recovery of Thomas, these believers at Philadelphia went forth proclaiming that Jesus of Nazareth certainly had risen from the dead. So in believing must come then Obeying the will of God. If you truly believe, you're going to obey the will of God. True belief in the resurrection should cause some kind of resurrection in your own soul. With your relationship to God and to Jesus. Paul Gauguin, an 1848 to 1903 French artist, said... Life is hardly more than a fraction of a second. Such a little time to prepare oneself for eternity. As you begin to submit your will to the will of the Universal Father, who you may believe to be Jesus, but as you begin to believe at any level about the divinity of Christ, you will be led then down a path of higher truth, concerning the Christ, and as you continue to follow his will, you will eventually be led to the fifth epic of Revelation, the Urantia book. They will see that you are introduced to it. What you do after that then is up to you. Remember I was earlier talking about the intellectual knowledge of God, and not really those who follow the will of God. So you can be knowledgeable of the Urantia book even, study it for years, still not know God. Sorry, but that's the truth. Better you not have the Urantia book and know God before, because you'll be held more accountable for what you should have did and didn't. But if you are sincere, you really want the higher truth, then guess what you're going to discover next? The continuing fifth epic of Revelation, the Cosmic Family Volumes. Then if you're really a truth seeker, 
and you want it more than anything else. You're willing to pay whatever price it takes. And up and above that, you want to serve humanity with all your heart. Then you're labored, labeled by the over-control and all the celestial beings in this great vast administration as a soul that can be possibly called into what is called the core of the destiny reservist. You have a possibility of becoming a destiny reservist. But in order to become a destiny reservist, you have to come to divine administration. Under the submission of eldership of the mandate of the bright and morning star. All paths may lead to God, but most people choose the wide one. Too wide, too relative. Jesus said the way to the Father is narrow. It's the road less traveled, as written. Scott Peck wrote that? That's right. Came from a Robert Frost poem, The Road Less Traveled. That's the road for destiny reservists. You need to come to know Jesus Christ, not as just Jesus Christ, but as Jesus Christ, the creator's son and sovereign of all Nebaton, the universe of Nebaton, which you just happen to be in right now in time and space. There's a name for our system. There's a name for our constellation. There's a name for our universe. There's a name for our super universe. There's a name for our grand universe. There's a name for our minor and major sectors. There's names that are important. And there's beings on those worlds that Jesus Christ Michael would like you to know who they are. And you can only get this by walking in the higher will of God and letting your virtue match your knowledge. Your virtue is more important, as a matter of fact, than your knowledge. For Lucifer had all of this knowledge. He was a system sovereign ruler of 619 inhabited worlds in the system of Satania. And yet he blew it. He blew it because of Pride. He wanted then to follow at some point in his ascension the wide path. For the narrow path for him was too hard because of his pride. So he taught everyone in his constituents all over the system of Satania, I have an easier way to God. It's a wide path. <laughs> it's not so narrow. <laughs> Come and follow me. It's easier. Every time God talked to me in all my life, it was the hard path. It was something I didn't want to do. People say, oh, I hear from God all the time. Oh, yeah? If that was true, most of the world believes in God. There wouldn't be the killing. There wouldn't be the hate. There wouldn't be the murder. There wouldn't be everything that's going on. People would be actualized. People would be walking in their destinies. People do not hear from God the way they should. And particularly leaders. We're living on a fallen world. And you just might have a lot of fallen stuff in you too. 
as you begin to understand Jesus as the Creator's Son, or the local universe sovereign of Nabadon, you begin to more quickly manifest his virtues because the macro micro are the same. That is, an understanding of the true cosmology of the grand universe, you then begin to understand the grand you. Because God made you grand. He wants you to be great. He wants you to be a Mahatma, but great in God, not great in your ego. There is a huge difference. As you begin to understand yourself, your grand self, you begin to change into the likeness of God. And guess what? People wished to serve you. People wish to help you. Everything that I have manifested, I have manifested because I have want to serve others. And I believe people saw in me a God higher than themselves. They accepted me as an elder. They accepted all of these ones sitting here as their elders. That is how eternity works. Eternity does not work for lone rangers who ride white horses and have a mask on them. You need to take the mask off. God does not work with lone rangers. If you cannot submit to an elder, you will never be one. At any level, all throughout eternity, as you study the administration, it works the same way. Levels of eldership, levels of over-control, levels of service. On a fallen world like your rancher, Human beings are victims to the greed and selfishness of others. And all the pieces of the great grand puzzle of God can never be placed in their proper spots on the divine puzzle board. It's so hard to fit in out there in the third dimension. You say, well, maybe if I had more money, I can do it. Or maybe if I had more education, maybe if I was skinnier and, and looked more like a model, maybe I could fit in better to the puzzle. Vanity of vanity, always vanity. You can't fit in out there at all unless you put the resurrection out of your mind. In a way, that's why a lot of the peoples of this world don't want to become Christians. That's why Gandhi couldn't identify himself as a Christian. Although he was the greatest Christian, probably, that walked in his day. 
for what Christianity had become. He didn't want to be identified with it, and I didn't blame him. Don't blame him for one minute. As I don't want to be associated with modern-day prosperity teaching, big deal, mega-church, mega-money, mega-bucks Christianity. So we are led down wrong paths, wrong religions, wrong careers, wrong spouses, even wrong desires. And so what we think we need, we don't. And we may never receive what we really need. Well, I've heard all kind of prayers, you know. I've heard people trying to pray manifest Porsches in their lives, you know. Someone gives me one, I'll take it. Maybe. But I'm not going to go out and buy one. Everything that I have, everything, has been given to me. What kind of concept's that? God wants you to have so that you can help others. That's the principle. And if I think after having it for a while, I'm not supposed to have it, I'll either sell it or give it away if it's not really helping others in some way. God wants you to be rich in many ways so that you can help others meet their destiny. But first, the richness may not be physical. It's in here. It's in here. You first have to be like God. Then God gives to you. Until then, if you're praying the prayer of our Father and you're not what you're supposed to be, watch out. Because he'll pour the carpet out right from under you. Better yet you not pray that prayer. Because the carpet will continually be poured out from under you. It's a cosmic law. There were times in my life when I had to go basically live in a teepee. For months at a time, God had to take everything off of me, away from me, to pull out the carpet from under me. Well, I had nothing. Not even two cents to rub together to humble me. Because we can get off track so easily in our pride. When you're young, you know, younger, in your teens and early 20s, you think, well, I'm going to conquer the world. I'm so handsome. I'm so strong. I got my health, but I could do anything. Then you find out it's not so easy. Not so easy. Unless you have some divine help, not too much is going to happen to you to change anything but yourself. The belief in the resurrection of Christ is like first turning on a five-watt light bulb. As you act upon that belief, then you can turn on the 25-watt light bulb. And as you continue to act upon that belief, then the 50-watt bulb lights up. And then the 100-watt watt bulb. Until you yourself become the light on the hill for all to see. You become the big light bulb. However, your light will go out. 
if you lose hope in eternity. If you don't reconnect the circuitry, you connect it, reconnect it by right decisions, right actions, moment to moment. By saying, I'm sorry to God, to those you hurt, those you've offended, and making it right. Sometimes it may take you a few moments. That's great. That's the best. Sometimes it may take you a few weeks. That's okay. Get it right. Correct those bad decisions. But don't let it go on for weeks and months and years at a time. And maybe it may take even a lifetime and you're on the other side and you know you need to go up to that person then and say, oh my God, I'm so sorry that back when I did this and I should have did that. And God has shown me the results of my error and how many people I affected by not making the right decision. That's resurrection thinking. That's radical unity. Don't let it go for centuries. Because <laughs> you might stay on the first mansion world for those centuries. You might not, might not get to the second one so quick. The Urantia book says, on page 1946, enmity of the world. I like to call this paragraph here, putting your butt on the line. I'm from Pittsburgh in this life, and I was raised in the ghetto, and something about ghetto talk. You know, it just gets you right there, you know. Putting your butt on the line. It says the 11 had scarcely ceased their discussions of the discourse on the vine and the branches, when the master, indicating that he was desirous of speaking to them further, and knowing that this time was short, said, When I have left you, be not discouraged by the enmity of the world. Be not downcast, even when faint-hearted believers turn against you and join hands with the enemies of the kingdom. If the world shall hate you, you should recall that it first hated me even before it hated you. If you were of this world, then the world would love its own. But because you are not, the world refuses to love you. You are in this world, but your lives should not be like this world. I have chosen you out of the world to represent the spirit of another world to this world from which you have been chosen to be different. But always remember the words I have spoken to you. The servant is not greater than his master. If they dare to persecute me, they will also persecute you. If my words offend the unbelievers, so also will your words offend the ungodly. And all of these things do for the sake of my gospel. But when you endure these tribulations, you should recall that I also suffered before you for the sake of this gospel, of the heavenly kingdom. 
Many of those who will assail you are ignorant of the light of heaven. But this is not true for some of them who persecute us. If we had not taught them the truth, they might do many strange things without falling under any condemnation. But now, since they have known the light and presumed to reject it, they have no excuse for their attitude. He who hates me hates my father. It could not be otherwise. The light which would save you, if accepted, can only condemn you if it is knowingly rejected. And what have I done to these men that they should hate me? With such horrible hatred. Nothing. Save to offer them fellowship on earth and salvation in heaven. But have you not read in the scripture the saying, and they hated me without a cause? Boy, if I realized that verse in my life, trying to do the right thing, putting my butt on the line. They hate me because I fight for the environment. They hate me because I call an ace an ace. They hate me because I call them on their greed. Almost 99% of Americans say they believe in God. And many of them actually do not believe in the resurrection. Puzzling. Even though Jesus himself said, you cannot come to the Father but through me. We who study the Urantia book believe that what he meant by that was, as we ascend body to body throughout the universe of Nebadon, we ascend to the Christ Michael's physical location of his capital world called Salvington. You have to go through Salvington to get to paradise, to get to the Father. That's what he meant by that. Yes, that's continuing revelation. So many groups say there's no more epical revelation. New Testament's 2,000 years old. It's not new. There was the Old Testament and then the New Testament. Muslims say there's no more prophet. It's only, it's only Muhammad. Mormons say Joseph Smith is the only prophet. Last one. Revela Epical revelation is continuing. And people need to continue on. They need to move on. That's the only way that we are going to be one on this planet. The only way. We need to get out of the isms. Salvation is by the regeneration of the spirit and not by the self-righteous deeds of the flesh. You are justified by faith and fellowshiped by grace, not by fear and the self-denial of the flesh, albeit the Father's children, who have been born of the Spirit, are ever and always masters of the self, 
and all that pertains to the desires of the flesh. When you know that you are saved by faith, then you have real peace in God. And all who follow in the way of this heavenly peace are destined to be sanctified to the eternal service of the ever-advancing sons and daughters of the eternal God. Henceforth, it is not a duty, but rather your exalted privilege to cleanse yourselves from all evils of mind and body while you seek for perfection in the love of God. That's from the Urantia book, page 1610. Also from the Urantia book, page 2090. The time is ripe to witness the figurative resurrection of the human Jesus from his burial tomb amidst the theological traditions and the religious dogmas of 19 centuries. Jesus of Nazareth is talking about this time. Now, Jesus of Nazareth must not be longer sacrificed to even the splendid concept of the glorified Christ. What a transcendent service if, through this revelation, the Son of Man should be recovered from the tomb of traditional theology and be presented as the living Jesus to the church that bears his name and to all other religions. Surely the Christian fellowship of believers would not hesitate to make such adjustments of faith and of practices of living as will enable it to follow after the Master in the demonstration of his real life of religious devotion to the doing of the Father's will and of consecration to the unselfish service of humankind. Do professed Christians fear the exposure of a self-sufficient and unconsecrated fellowship, of social respectability and selfish economic maladjustment? Does institutional Christianity fear the possible jeopardy or even the overthrow of traditional ecclesiastical authority if the Jesus of Galilee is reinstated in the minds and souls of mortal men as the ideal of personal religious living? Indeed, the social readjustments, the economic transformations, the moral rejuvenations, and the religious revisions of Christian civilization would be drastic and revolutionary if the living religion of Jesus should suddenly supplant the theologic religion about Jesus. To follow Jesus means to personally share his religious faith and to enter into the spirit of the master's life of unselfish service for man. For indeed, as it is written, many are called, but few are chosen. You need to choose. Thank you. Vanetics with Gabriel of Urantia and Neon Emerson Chase, an ongoing series of lectures and teachings on spiritual leadership, personal change, and the principles of divine administration. Part of the curriculum of the University of Ascension Science and the Physics of Rebellion. More information can be found at uaspr.org.